Hey guys, this is Casey from Tracor Clan, the Mandalorian Mercs of Michigan, and you're listening to the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. If you loved the Mandalorian and are looking to make your own Mando, come find us at www.facebook.com backslash Michigan Mercs, and we will show you the way. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Dr. Sonny Ravencourt from the University of Coruscant, and when I can't find reliable information for a lecture, I steal it from the Jedi Temple Archive podcast. Seriously, I do. Their security is terrible. There's like one old lady running the whole place. Welcome to episode 42 of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Only members of the Jedi Council are allowed access. Guarding the holocrons is one of the most important duties a Jedi can be given. Do you think you're up to the task? to another episode of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. I'm your host, Rob, and I'm going to be joined here shortly by uh, Charles and Pat from the Conversations podcast, who are here this week to help me break down season one of The Mandalorian and kind of talk about some of the some of the things that were revealed, some of the things that we loved about that first season, uh, and generally just have some fun. But before we get to that segment of the show, I do want to note that we are recording this episode on Tuesday, February 4th, 2020. Uh, also, I want to point out kind of before we get into our main topic that we are going to be having a mega crossover event with the Scarif podcast uh, in February here. Roe is going to be releasing that episode, the first half of that uh, mega crossover episode here within the next week or so. So keep an eye out for that on the Scarif podcast. Uh, our topic was uh, fan service, the other four letter word, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, it ties in with kind of one of the things that I had planned for February which uh, given that Valentine's Day is this month and love is in the air, uh, certainly the love letter that was written to Star Wars fans in the form of Rogue One, which is certainly one of our favorite films, and I know it was an inspiration for Roe and the naming of the Scarif podcast. Uh, And kind of in keeping with that theme and in in keeping with the theme of uh, Valentine's Day in February, I'm going to be giving away a couple of Black Series figures that I picked up. Uh, we've got Jin Erso in her Jetta gear and Cassian Andor in his Edu gear. Uh, and given the fact that there was definitely a strong hinting of kind of a, a growing relationship between those two within Rogue One, it just seemed fitting for a giveaway for February. So certainly check out our social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, maybe even I'll post it on Pinterest and uh, look for basically the information out there on how to enter that podcast. You can find us on all four of those locations at JTA Podcast. 
And uh, we're probably also going to throw in some uh, some impetus for people to maybe call into our new voicemail at 201-746-JTAP and uh, drop us some uh, some information or some thoughts that we can include in some future shows. And I also wanted to mention that we do have a new logo for the podcast, so very excited about that, really happy with how that turned out, and uh, kind of look for that. I think we're going to be picking up some, uh, some swag that we can include with some of our giveaways or send out to our listeners or people that join us out on Patreon at JTA Podcast. Uh, so look for that in the near future. I can get you more credits. I can bring you in warm. Or I can bring you in cold. All right. We are back with uh, with our special guests for the week. I've got Charles and Pat from the Conversations podcast on with me to talk about season one of The Mandalorian. Gentlemen, welcome to the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> and this is Pat. <laughs> you said everything. <laughs> We're done. Thanks. That is still uh, again. You guys are right up there with uh, with University of Coruscant uh, in terms of funny lead-ins for the show, station IDs. Um, nice. When you guys hear this episode, you'll get to hear the one that that he sent as well. Actually, I think I already shared it with uh, with Charles. I cut Pat yes, out of that. It's absolutely fantastic. He's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I only I only shared it with people that had seen uh, Rise of Skywalker three times. <laughs> <laughs> And and Pat has gotten up and left the podcast. Well, it's now conversation. It's singular. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> singular. So, guys, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, before we get talking about The Mandalorian, I'm going to have to run you guys through the Jedi Trials, which is kind of our little uh, Q&A section of the show where uh, people get to know a little bit about you guys. So these are hardcore questions. Uh, you may struggle to answer them but we will get going anyway. So uh, question one for you guys, what is your favorite star Wars movie? Go, you can go first. Me? Yeah. Me. You talk okay. first. I talk first or you talk first? No, you talk first. Okay, couldn't it's, tell. It's a mask. Um, <laughs> uh, I, this is bad. I don't like this. Um, the empire strikes back is number one tied with return of Jedi. <laughs> One and one A. Does that count? Yes, actually, uh, you know, I've got uh, my co-host Tom. His wife Michelle is famous for one uh, A and one B, or five A and five B, or whatever the case may be. Oh. So, you know, we've got uh, we've got a little leeway on this show for uh, for multi answers. Very cool. Good. Yeah, that's my multi answer. All Sweet. Right. One per show. <laughs> I think done. that's a great you're policy. Done. One multi answer per show. <laughs> um, and I'll have to go with uh, A New Hope. I just think that's where it all started for me. I saw Empire Strikes Back first and experienced that. But when I saw um, uh, you know, A New Hope right after it at the drive-in, um, it gave me the context of Empire Strikes Back to what I could understand back then. And that was it. That was the, uh, that was the, the starting point of where we are today. Yeah, awesome, man. I'm glad. I think it's cool that you got to see uh, a new hope at the drive-in. That was my first experience as well. So, yeah, the old uh, the old tinny speaker and <laughs> hanging yes, from the window. Yes. I mean, yeah, doesn't matter. My cool, my cool older sister. Right, exactly. Her, we wouldn't have seen it. <laughs> Terrific. All right, second question. I'll let Charles start this one. What is your favorite Star Wars character? Ooh, wow. <laughs> um, I would have to go. I'd say Han Solo. Um, he's, uh, he was my, uh, first, crush. my first crush, <laughs> my first, um, 
Canadian winter Halloween uh, costume. Uh, we talk about that yet? No, we haven't spoken about that yet. <laughs> well, we've mentioned it, but we've never gone into detail of what happened. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd have to go with Han Solo just because of the the uh, first man crush, like Pat said. <laughs> yeah, uh, my favorite character is Bob and Frick. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think Luke Skywalker okay. is is my my favorite just because I think he's the. Um, the relatable character in the, in the original trilogy, of course. And because um, everybody thinks Han's cool and wants to be Han, but nobody's Han. <laughs> I mean, you know, like the Fonz is about as close as you get to being Han. Right, not even me. Uh, right, no, not even with the name tag. But um, <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's not who most people are. And I think most people um, can identify more with Luke as I did. Uh, when I first saw this, the trilogy, and yeah. it, it stuck with me. Yeah, like those are both great answers. Uh, all right, so uh, who is your favorite Star Wars droid? Pat, we'll oh, start with that's you. It. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't say yeah. Babu Frick. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows. He does know. He knows. <laughs> he knows. Well, he's a Jedi Temple Archives podcast. He knows everything. He does. He does. Oh, I wish. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to go, well, I mean, it's pretty simple. Um, it's Chopper, hands down, Chopper. God love Rebels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, I think he's cantankerous and fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, but just to be different, uh-huh. I'm going to go with the more classic astromech. Okay. And I, I got to say R2. All right, all right. I think without him, like, everybody would be screwed. Yes, yes, including the entire movie right. franchise. Yeah, exactly. Right. I thought for sure you were going to go for R5. <laughs> uh, well, no, I see. <laughs> I was motivated to pick our pun. Oh, oh boy, that's excellent pun. Thank you. Thank uh, you very much. Oh, there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> Blown motivators for the win. Oh. <laughs> One show. All right. All right. So, next question for you guys What is your favorite Star Wars toy or collectible? Ooh. Will you go first? Mm, well,. Gosh, there's so many. Yes. Well, you so have some classics. Many. I figured you guys would say each other's lightsabers just because you guys had so much fun trying to figure out how to turn them on. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I do. I do, uh, <laughs> do enjoy that. Yes. Um, I think I think my favorite might be Luke on a ledge. Luke on a ledge. It might be Luke on a ledge. <laughs> yeah, and I will definitely tell our listeners, if you have not checked out the Conversations podcast, you totally have got to go out there and do that. One of their uh, favorite things to do is, is, as he just said, Luke on a ledge, uh, which is their <laughs> elf on a shelf. Uh, right. Riff, right? Uh, he's yes. he's been at Galaxy's Edge. He's uh, he's kind of made it all over the place. So, uh, and and it's fun. You can have all year round, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we 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 don't want to flood everyone's and all three of our listeners feeds with um <laughs> with luke on alleged nonsense and and uh luke foolery uh year round right so we try and limit it it's very tough but he's he's great he's got the he's got like an elf yeah he's got on. the green yeah. yeah 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 he's fantastic yeah, he comes around for Life Day. Yeah, and definitely yeah. check out their website because they have all kinds of lovely uh, little uh, <laughs> little uh, setups with their Black Series figures, all kinds of fun. Uh, you never know who might be frozen in a block of ice. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> What's yours? Um, 
I would have to say, uh, like Rob said before, the lightsaber. I think it's probably provided the, uh, you know, I've had many of the toys. I had the At-At when I was young, um, you know, and that's long gone, of course. All the toys that I used to have. Um, so that nostalgia fa- piece is there. But I think the lightsaber for me uh, represents sort of the resurgence of of the fandom and what we've started doing and, and mm-hmm. celebration. It is 100% tied to celebration. That's what we bought it for. Right. And that has really launched the, uh, the, the fandom once again. So it's the lightsaber as a symbol of my, uh, of my, uh, Charles Demption. <laughs> <laughs> Plus it's a huge advance from, uh, from our childhood when it was that, uh, silver metal flashlight that everyone would run around the house with Yes, <laughs> with the light turned on, pretending like you had a lightsaber. <laughs> I, I tried the broomstick. <laughs> I used the broomstick, but I put, I put tinfoil on mine. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So yeah. Well, that looks like a saber, but not lightsaber. <laughs> I, I did. I did. I put, who put tinfoil on the, on the, on the broom handle? No, me. So you're the original broom boy. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Oh. <gasps> That's you. That's me. That's you. Although, like, with several other layers of clothing because it was so cold. Yeah, it's okay, though. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> That's amazing. Outside looking for a tauntaun to cut open, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to do what you got to do in Canada. <laughs> that is right. Yeah, I don't live in Outside Canada. Beavers are too small. Uh, I always say we're like honorary Canadians uh, here in Michigan. So That's yeah, very it's, true. It's, yeah. He's closer now than you are. Yes. Wow. That's okay. Trust me, I don't want that distinction. So, <laughs> no, no, no. Just, just in the sense that I would rather, I would rather be within striking distance of Galaxy's Edge. So, there, you guys definitely have the advantage on me there. So, all right. And then the final question is, what is your favorite Star Wars memory? Ooh, ooh. You go first. Yeah, yeah. Me? Yes. I go first. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think my favorite Star Wars memory was okay so when we were at Celebration Mm. we got a photo op with James Arnold Taylor Mm -hmm. and he was pretty awesome and of course photo op lines are very quick moving and it's like hi you're my favorite click bye and um, so it's it's very brief Uh, then the next day um we saw him to get the photo we had the previous day autographed. But of course, we were no longer in our Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan attire. We were now in uh, uh, Hondo and Cad Bane. Right. And Genius, by the way. <laughs> and he, and he, he, we walked up and he was like, I don't think I like the look of these guys. And we were like, oh, that's Obi-Wan. And then, um, and then he, uh, we showed him the photo and he's like, Ah, oh, this, this, this is you guys. And we're like, yeah, this is yesterday. <laughs> oh, yes, this was yesterday. <laughs> character. Um, and and um, well, of course we are. So uh, then we we started to, to speak with him about yes. all our different um, costume changes and such. And like he was surprised, impressed. Yes. Um, and told us to look for him uh, the next day um, when... Um, the, when we were, it was the next day. The next day was uh, Plo Koon. That's and right, Kid and Kid Fisto, right? And with him voicing Plo's. Yes. Like, oh, come, come see me live. And we're like, look, we come see you every day if we could. But <laughs> yeah, cash. Right. This is this is two visits without a restraining order or contact from a lawyer. So this is exactly. Uh, yeah, this exactly. is a very positive experience. So oh no. So far. <laughs> so far. Yes. 
Um, so, yeah, so I thought that was really very cool and gave some good insight into him as a person. Mm. And, like, when you, when you, they always tell you not to meet your idols because you're let down or whatever. Yeah. And I think he just was, he's a good guy. And I thought that was really cool to, to see and be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, for me, uh, there's many memories. It's a celebration that I could bring up as well. Uh, but that was a great, yeah. So I'm not going to say celebration anymore. What I will do is I think after the, before the releases of the special editions, um, my, well, my wife now, she bought me for Christmas one year was the original trilogy on the, uh, on VHS in the, uh, cardboard box. And it wasn't the widescreen. It wasn't, it was just like the, but it was the original versions of the movies. And I hadn't seen those in a long time. We had rented them, whatever, but I distinctly remember that in the mid nineties when we, when she bought it and we watched the entire uh, series over a weekend and it was absolutely fantastic and I could because we had known about the special editions and there was all this grumbling about new Star Wars stuff and uh, that was really a great moment of like wow this is this could be happening again soon and that was a I'll never forget that that was pretty cool yeah that's coming out of the dark times right yes exactly <laughs> yes exactly yeah and I, I do much no, I, I, I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to think we're so far down the road that we're going to have to start explaining to people what VHS tapes were. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we're uh, we're yeah. a ways past that technology. But, uh, you know, to the point of Pat's uh, story, it is interesting. If you guys listen to their podcast, they do have a very cool uh, kind of intro from uh, James Arnold Taylor and and his Obi-Wan and Plo Koon voices, uh, which, again, I, I haven't been to Celebration, uh, one of the great voids in my life, but I uh, haven't gone to Grand Rapids Comic Con and, and met up with Tom Kane. Um you know, to the voice actors just seem to be very appreciative of the fandom. Uh, and certainly for you guys who do a lot of cosplay, uh, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into that. And certainly you guys do a lot of quality costumes, uh, and, and then put yourselves into those characters, which, uh, which is like the next level of commitment, right? The, the Hondo Onaka, <laughs> the Hondo it's Onaka sometimes, but for us, it's always a hit. Yeah. Yeah. I've got my, uh, I've got my Plo Koon Funko pop. That's, uh, it's one of the ones that when I saw it at Grand Rapids Comic Con, I absolutely had to get. Um, nice one. Because Plo nice such a cool, cool character. So, uh, yeah, definitely awesome that you guys uh, get into the cosplay like that and uh, and get a chance to really express that through the Comic Cons and uh, and in this case Star Wars Celebration. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that is it for the for the Jedi Trials. You guys have passed the flying colors. Woo! Both of us. Yes, both of you. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thing. Oh, Uh-oh. I put the metal away. It's it's already he's he's gone to get something. Oh boy, <laughs> it's in the blue bag. Blue bag. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. He's coming. <laughs> <laughs> this is my. This is a perfectly appropriate. Yeah, I don't have a commercial. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I can't do chewy, but you know. <laughs> Oh man, when we talked to Yoshi uh, Vu a couple of weeks ago and that the pin metal whatever that they were given for working on uh Rise of Skywalker uh which was modeled after that Yavin metal I I think I'm going to break into his house and take it. 
<laughs> that was a really cool story. Yeah, Yoshi Vu. Yeah. You remember I told you you yeah, spoke yeah, to him? Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. And that's like one of his most treasured pieces, right? That's, yeah. Didn't he say that? Yeah. Yep, that yeah. was his favorite memory. Fantastic. So, yeah, terrific. So uh, I think we'll go ahead and we'll get moved on to The Mandalorian. I know it's been uh, a little while since this first season wrapped up, and, and I kind of wanted to wait a little bit just so we all had time to process it a little bit. Um, and certainly we've got some of the some of the listeners that we've got internationally who may not even have uh, Disney Plus yet. Um, right. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, for the yeah. purposes of spoilers, I'm not going to really well worry about it. I feel like anyone who uh, who hasn't seen it and doesn't want to get spoiled will probably avoid this episode until that comes out. But if you haven't avoided the episode, definitely you may want to consider holding off until after you've seen season one of The Mandalorian. Uh, but you know, certainly this represents kind of a groundbreaking change. I mean, we just talked about the fact that we did have that dark time after the original trilogy where we weren't sure if there was going to be any more films. And uh, and now we've gotten to the point where we've got movie quality shows like The Mandalorian that are on, you know, streaming services. Uh, so with any luck, we're not going to have any of those giant gaps. Even if there's not a movie coming out, we're going to have some of this, uh, this Disney Plus entertainment that we're going to be able to rely on. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, there's several shows that they're they're working on. So, you know, if they stagger them, then, um, you know, you might not have three or four shows coming out each week, but you'll have something coming out in the next couple months, you know, throughout the year, which I think is great. Yeah. And it keeps that pot, you know, it keeps the stove warm with with content. Of course, there was the books. All Always there were the books, even in the dark times, of course, in the comic books. But, uh, you know, let's face it, especially these days, filmed entertainment and access to it through streaming services um, will, you know, really fill those gaps. And in some cases, and especially with The Mandalorian, add more lore than a movie could because yeah. they have the time to explore. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for them to come out with a series. It's kind of like the, uh, you know, they've got the the shows where the people get into the, oh God, what are they called? The, the storage facilities or whatever. They'll have those facilities that have been locked up and no one's come to claim their goods and storage wars yeah storage storage wars Wars. they're gonna do a riff on storage wars with like the jawas right (laughs) they should should. that would be hilarious i know that's right yeah it would be uh, i think that would be a a great a great kind of uh you know reality television version of star wars but yeah, I I could not get storage storage wars for the life of me. I could picture it, but uh, thank you for coming to the assist on that one. But um, with regards to the Mandalorian, uh, you know, certainly I've kind of heard it said by other people, and I was in the same boat when Star Wars Celebration came along. The footage that they showed at Star Wars Celebration was still a little bit on the rough side, and they really didn't talk about the fact that it was kind of unfinished footage. Um, so I know there was a little bit of concern that maybe it wasn't going to be quite movie quality, but I would say that within that first episode, really quickly, you realized that this was a high quality finished product. At hundred percent. I mean, the, the feel was, it was immediately, uh, uh, set. Yeah. And star Wars. And it had that, that sense of, uh, lived in world. And, you know, when my wife and the kids watched it too, my, well, my son so much, but even my daughter was like, she was immediately locked in. And that was a, an interesting point because she loves anime and different interest groups. She's 16, whatever, but the immediately, and, but she had watched the movies and she even sensed that this was an in-world experience with yeah. a different, with a different swing to it. Yeah. I think that, um, it, that first scene in the cantina, you're brought into 
Star Wars. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is the cantina. I have this sense of familiarity there. And then, um, and then even when they're heading back to the Razor Crest, and then there's like, oh, stay off the ice, and then the creature. And all. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's very, um, very familiar. Yeah. It's not not planets you've seen, not not creatures or characters you've necessarily seen, but it's definitely got that feel, and it brings you right into the franchise. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to that point, yeah, I did think it was funny. I mean, really right off the bat, you get a couple of cameos from some comedians. Uh, I when when Brian Posen pulled up in the in the speeder. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and and of course, he's the one warning him to stay off the ice. And uh, and five seconds later, he's gone. Right. Uh, so. <laughs> But he lived through that on social media. He posted that video of himself watching himself. He's like freaking out with the Mandalorian behind him. Like, oh, with his crazy hair, of course, in tow. Exactly. Uh, you know, I did think it was really cool, though, that, uh, you know, right off that very first scene, not only do you get uh, one of the characters speaking, hot, hot, you know, hot ease, which is uh, one of those things that I really think that they did to establish and make it feel like it was Star Wars. Uh, but, you know, it was that darker, that grittier scene. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the Aqualish at the bar there that he smashes with the mug. And when he tries to escape, uh, the fact that, you know, he <laughs> he uh, he ropes him and drags him back into the uh, the closing door. Uh it pretty much established pretty quickly that they weren't going to stay clear of some of that gruesome material as well. Yeah. Yeah. And a little bit of a darker edge to it too, but you know, and it sets up in, like, even like we said, but a, sort of a understanding of the timeline of like, you know, post return of the Jedi and sort of the darker time and more ruthless to a certain mm -hmm. degree, you know, like where those, those punches aren't being pulled anymore because it's serious and it's tough to make a living, especially for a, a bounty hunter. Um, there's no more, there's no more uh, Mr. Good Guy anymore. No, not not first. We think, oh wow, this yeah. guy's this is the this is the anti-hero of the show. Okay. Yeah, he's like shooting everybody. Yeah. Carbonizing. Yeah. Oh. Uh, bring you in warm, or I'll bring you in cold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wonder what that would look like in Arbash. Um, I don't know. I tried it, but I, we'll it yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> no, and I would definitely, I would, I, I think it was awesome that, you know, they have established that we're at this point, um, you know, probably six or seven years past the events of Return of the, or not Return of the Jedi, but Empire Strikes Back, uh, where they really had first established that you could free someone in Carbonite, and all of a sudden they've got it miniaturized to the point where he's able to do this right on a ship, uh, right. which was a cool, a cool touch as well. Yeah, that's so good. And like, <laughs> You, know, you see like the racks of like before I even realized it, it's like, oh, my God, those are like multiple things, like multiple uh, carbonite uh, captures. Yeah. 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 Which is fantastic. And that's the thing. It's like you could use that for daycare. You know, you can't, you can't control your bounty. Carbonite. That's it. Give set. us a few minutes. We're going to go thaw your children. <laughs> Babysitting services. Remember that guy with that shirt? <laughs> oh my god! The last in Galaxy's Edge, a guy had a shirt. That yeah, Mandalorian. Yeah, but but the services. but the carbonizing, uh, the yeah. carbon. Uh, that's fantastic. That's <laughs> yeah, I see another T-shirt coming. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it's it's uh, it's the new version of parenting. <laughs> yeah, and you know, of course, that's where the the. Life Day became canon immediately right, right there. That yes. was absolutely amazing. Right. Well, and they, they wasted no time. No. 
Yeah, they wasted no time establishing a couple things from that holiday special. They had the Life Day reference. Uh, obviously, the Mandalorians using that Ambin face pulse blaster with the, you know, the electrical prongs on the end, uh, which right. was something that we had seen uh, with Boba Fett in that Star Wars holiday special cartoon. Uh, so it was cool that they had kind of really brought that back into canon. Uh, and then I don't know what your guys' takes were. I know there was a lot of people talking about the fact that George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy were two of those uh characters that were frozen in carbonite it appeared yes i had no idea yeah. that, that is awesome that is fantastic <laughs> so wow. apparently that's that's how you deal with people that are uh, telling you to go a certain direction and maybe you don't agree with it <laughs> here i put you, yeah i put yep. your notes over here come take a look at them <laughs> 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 oh my gosh that's hilarious i did not know that that's thank you that was uh amazing. I, I don't know that that was for fact uh, i i know that there were a number of people who were talking about the fact that it certainly appeared that uh the two of those characters one of them could easily have been lucas the other one could easily have been kathleen kennedy uh i don't know that it was ever verified by anyone with the sh within the show but uh it's certainly <laughs> right exactly <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and uh, of course you know the other great thing about that first episode they very quickly established the fact that not only was it going to be kind of dark and gritty but there was certainly going to be some elements of humor in it with ig11 uh and i thought taika waititi who voiced that character within season one was just brilliant uh i know that pat was making some jokes about the self-destruct <laughs> initiating self-destruct <laughs> yes <laughs> what three times he did that yeah, in that like in a span of don't, three minutes? <laughs> don't do it. Chest opens up. Yeah. He's got the no, no. <laughs> he's like he's like um he's like that that person, you know, that's always like doom and gloom, like, oh I guess this is it. No, yeah, yeah no, no. step away from the ledge. <laughs> And it's also too with IG, like you had mentioned, like first of all, like that sort of cold humor as well. But the uh, talk about uh, bringing to life one of I always loved IG eighty uh, eight mm -hmm. uh, the in the Empire, and uh, so much so that I you know it was last fall last year I I bought uh, IG. See look, uh, see there, there's a nice little kiss from IG. Uh, <laughs> but um, the I absolutely imbued the entire IG line with, you know, a, an absolutely destructive nature of just why they are uh, bounty hunters. They're absolutely fantastic in that scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you see him when he first sees him and he's like, pow, 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 pow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. Wow. Nah, Shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And that kind of riffs off the fact that, you know, they, uh, there was a lot to be said about the fact that IG 88 and Boba Fett, uh, back in the original trilogy kind of had a bit of, a a uh, a relationship that was certainly not friendly in any way, shape or form. Uh, there was uh, supposedly a story about how IG 88 had followed Boba Fett to Bespin, uh, and the two of them had faced off and IG 88 was, uh, taken out by Boba Fett kind of in the interlude of, of them arriving at, at uh, cloud city. Wow. And then you see the, the IG droid. IG. That's why he's, Oh my God. That's why he's with the Ugnots. Yep. Right. Oh man. Yeah. So in empire strikes back, one of the scenes where you're kind of uh, back in the Ugnots uh, incinerator area, you do see an IG droid kind of leaned up against uh, the wall near the incinerator there. So supposedly that is uh, tied into that whole storyline. 
Wow. And they were competitive. They were competitors, obviously. Right. He was one of IG88, was one of the other bounty hunters in, uh, in the, the lineup. Bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is fantastic. Yeah. <sighs> more, more education for me. Well, and <laughs> it's another aside, but it's, uh, it's generally considered to be the fact that the reason that Boba Fett was able to guess what Han Solo uh, was playing at in terms of, you know, floating away with the garbage was because of the experience when he and Jango Fett had thought that they lost Obi-Wan in that asteroid or that they destroyed Obi-Wan in the asteroid field uh, and he'd attached to an asteroid and, you know, kind of waited them out. So um, that was that was kind of still stuck in Boba Fett's mind uh, and that's why he... <laughs> He stuck that around and, and got ejected yeah. with the garbage as well. So it's cool how they kind of revisit, revisit some of these uh, storylines and kind of lessons learned within the Star Wars um, kind of mythos. Mm. And especially with the, you know, the uh, the historical nature of Boba Fett, you know, almost especially in the, the Bounty Guild, um, uh, you'd expect that those stories would make more of the rounds than the Jedi would, you know, like right. as opposed to those like sort of lore based pieces. Yeah. Oh, I heard from a friend of a friend of a friend that the Jedi were here once versus yeah. like amongst the guild, you know, there's, uh, there's no honor, but there's plenty of stories, you know? Right. And it's, you know, it's kind of like if you've got somebody's famous from the same town as you, yeah. you kind of, kind of brag about that a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, says, yeah. Same thing. Famous Mandalorian bounty hunter. Right. That's, you know, yeah. Yeah, so are we. Yeah, exactly. We're all together. Yeah. 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 And speaking of the Mandalorians, we kind of get a, a pretty cool introduction to them within this episode as well, in the sense that they've kind of got uh, their lair kind of in the underbelly of the city, and they are uh, establishing the fact that there was kind of like a Mandalorian purge that occurred, and they were generally in hiding and, and kind of only coming out singly. Um, and we also get introduced to the armor, which is the character that is helping the Mandalorian kind of craft his armor, uh, which is not something that we've seen before. I mean, we've we've heard of crafting a Mandalorian armor and the whole concept of this Beskar, uh, but we definitely get an introduction to that um, through the the piece of that Beskar that the Mandalorian gets by taking this commission from the client, played by uh, Werner Herzog. Mm -hmm. Oh, what a character he played! Wow, right. yeah. Yeah, but that armor um, immediately gives almost um, uh, mythical uh, spin to yes. the the guild itself. It's like this sort of almost like a magic user with the with the blue flame and being able to uh, to uh, make the armor and make the you know make the different pieces and everything. And she's the one who bestows the uh, the signets and everything. Yeah, there's a very uh, very ritualistic. Ri yes, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Yes. And it, I thought it was kind of interesting within this series that, uh, you know, they established that for those of us who are familiar with the Clone Wars and and with uh, Rebels who have seen Mandalorians in the past at a much earlier time, that this whole concept of not taking off your helmet uh, was never really a part of canon prior to this this show. But clearly that is something that has come out of the purge. Uh, occurring for the Mandalorian, so they've kind of adopted a new uh, a new outlook on things, and as well as the fact that you know the Mandalorian in this case is is what is referred to as a foundling, uh, and he seems to have this um, this tie to kind of lost children uh, and childless parent or parentless child mm, yeah. uh, or children within this particular episode, which then ties in very closely to, to the end of this episode where we get kind of the big reveal of episode one in uh, possibly the cutest thing to ever come to star Wars. Right. Yes. Wait, 
Oh, am I, I going to spoil this for Pat? Yeah. He hasn't seen the first episode yet. Oh, sweet. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> of that, yeah. What, what thing? What did they find? Uh, if, yeah, there's a, uh, yeah, if there's a person out there that has not seen Baby Yoda, um, yeah, I don't consider that a spoiler at this point. That's been spoiled multi-times. It's a Baby Yoda? <laughs> don't worry about it. Oh, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, Baby Yoda is uh, brilliant. Uh, My wife has put out a bounty um, for anyone that can find her a life-size baby Yoda that doesn't cost $3 million right? uh, or 350 Well, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, <laughs> I, I can tell you about one that's not $5 million. Sideshow Collectibles has just come out with a quote-unquote life-size baby Yoda that is unbelievably realistic looking. Yeah. Uh, and it's on pre right now for, as Charles said, 350 <laughs> credits. Yeah, exactly. Well, 350 I, credits. I, 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 oh, wait a minute. Cause, um, cause the, um, in Hollywood studios, they yeah. have sideshow stuff. They do. Which one? Where? At, uh, at the, at at launch the, bay? The, uh, the outpost? Darth Vader. Yeah. The outpost. Yeah, launch yeah. bay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's true. Yeah. I wonder if they have it there. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those will go like hotcakes for sure. Yeah. We have to be there first day. Right. All right. Again. All right. Right. No <laughs> get a boarding pass too. Yeah. Well, it's okay. We'll get on at seven o'clock at night. We'll be fine. Um, I actually toyed with the idea. Speaking of Baby Yoda and three fifty on Friday. To- oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, when we saw the pictures on Friday, I uh, and actually that's how. And talking about the Mandalorian in general mm-hmm. and Baby Yoda in specific, it has my entire office abuzz with Baby Yoda memes. Right. Half of them haven't seen the show, but the other half. <laughs> have and but the the fact that but they all know who he is. yeah and the it transcends the movie right so like it's it's like the it's like a gateway drug almost mm-hmm. so when i saw the uh baby yoda the life-sized baby yoda i for maybe 35 seconds i thought about placing a burlap old-timey money bag on top of baby yoda or then just overlaying a dollar sign yes on because that's how much he costs i didn't even <laughs> do it because if that got out to anybody i would be like vilified for how dare you deface the the perfect baby yoda that's yes. why i didn't even do it. i didn't even venture i didn't want to be the stormtrooper beaten up on the oh yeah that adam pally and, uh, and yeah um uh, bill Hader. Right? yeah they yeah they got it yeah yeah so um maybe you could convince peter to get one for the office yes for research morale yes oh <gasps> smh baby yoda yeah there we go. We can take him home. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, for safekeeping, right. Yeah. right. <laughs> and the reference they were making, yeah, from episode eight of season one, where the uh, the scout troopers have have captured Baby Yoda and they're kind of punching the bag that he's in. I was shocked that they could hit it, honestly. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would have been perfect if they swung at the bag and missed, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so true. Apparently, it involves guns. <laughs> right, right. That's a very good point. No, but I mean, uh, the, you know, the cool thing is we it's always been kind of established that Star Wars was based on, you know, the Akira Kurosawa samurai films and the, the Sergio Leone uh, spaghetti westerns. And certainly with the music um, from Goranson in this particular series, you know, they've definitely established a lot of that kind of callback. But the episodes definitely feel that way as well. Um, 
and you see a lot of that influence within the episodes kind of as we go through the season. So uh, we'll kind of, we'll step through it a little bit. So, you know, we've talked a lot about episode one, Uh, certainly kind of the big battle scene at the end with the Mandalorian and IG 11 is, uh, is a wonderful scene. And even leading up to that, uh, the character of Quill that was played by uh, Nick Nolte. And a lot of people didn't even realize that was Nick Nolte, but uh, you know, this kind of uh, the first time we see an Ugnaught that's not enslaved uh, or, you know, in, in a life of servitude, uh, he he was an incredible character within season one as well. Yeah, and the you know it, even with the as the series unfolded, uh, the lore and his history, it just brings like such a uh, and well, I was going to say human face, but let's just say Ugnaudian face <laughs> to where they came from and how you know, all much like the Wookiees being in servitude, uh, so were they. You know, like they're slaves yeah. essentially, and he, you know, he freed himself of that paid his what he i guess his amends to for the the evils that he did and was just trying to live a peaceful life but absolutely what a wonderful character mm-hmm. wonderful character mm-hmm. and i mean talk about again spawning another uh meme craze and uh it you know with uh i have spoken of course right <laughs> the uh it's just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then there's the blurg. I was just listening to your guys character episode. Uh, I'm not character of the, uh, the creatures episode, right? Uh, the blurg was another one of those uh, creatures that it, it had been shown. Uh, I know that Cham Syndulla, as you guys were talking about, had, had been seen writing that, uh, uh, in, I believe it was rebels. Or was it uh, Clone Wars? I can't recall. Was it Clone Wars? Clone? Yeah, heard it in the Clone Wars. Clone Wars, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so we had seen them prior, but the fact that we now get to see them in like a live action show, um, yeah. amazing. And Pat put it in that list like a completely by fluke. It was like totally. I had put that in before we even saw the episode. That's what I'm saying. You yeah. Like yeah. that was totally one of those things you just and put in there. I was like, like wow. Oh, there it is. Yeah. You know, the one that we, we all just saw. Reference yeah. Check. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Dave Filoni might not be taking your calls, but he's clearly listening to your episodes. Yes. And that's just as well. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, he could be a Patreon at least, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Just invite us to lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a couple. Getting uh, past his lawyers is the hard part. Yes. <laughs> and the injunctions. But beyond that, right, yeah, we're fine. Right. All that red tape. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing I found was what I liked about the, the, the entire series was the weekly uh, launch or the re- re- weekly release. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the. It felt like a, like a old serial show. Yeah. And, you know, I found that the, it's not a ship in a bottle style show where it goes from event to event, the baddie of the week, but it certainly allowed the, each episode to sit and you mull it over and the excitement. I just think that it built it even more. I mean, even like my wife and my daughter, eventually that like my son didn't give, you know, two what's about it, but my, it was like, it's, it's going to be, we're watching it tonight. Right. And there right. was like this event, it became, it became event TV. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, you have the uh, the method of which you know I grew up on. I'm sure Rob and Pat as well. It's like the the weekly release was always what it was about. There was never this binge watching, and uh, it allowed for that pause between. It allowed for scene changes and and uh, taking a, a breath, you know. And I, I really appreciated that part of it. Yeah, it makes you wait for it. Yeah. 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 Well, and and to your point, I think I mean the the Star Wars fandom has definitely seen a lot of division based on some of the films that have come out, and you get you get all this kind of conflict between I'm aligned with this trilogy and I'm aligned with this trilogy, and uh, everyone's kind of 
being very vocal in terms of what they like and and if other people don't feel the same way then you know there's an issue but with the mandalorian i didn't hear really any of that it was the fandom seemed to be very unified in the sense that they were enjoying the series uh, i think that the fact that it was put out on a weekly basis allowed everyone to kind of bond over what they had seen um and, you know, like you said, you get a chance to digest it. You get a chance to kind of build up the excitement about what you're going to see that following week. And, you know, there's certainly people who have said, you know, it's from a Disney perspective, it's great because that they're going to draw out your subscription longer. Uh, but I, even, if, even if that were the case, I don't think that's as important as the fact that it gave, especially for podcasts, right? You get a chance to talk about it a little bit each week and kind of uh, theory craft if you want to about what's going on. Uh, and that definitely was a huge plus for this series. Yeah, totally. Totally. And that the, you know, I didn't feel personally that there was any episode that was a downer. I love them all. I mean, I think that there was a, you know, some people like this episode, some people like, you know, that's other episode and, uh, but I found each one had its had its perfect place. And, you know, one of my favorites is actually the sanctuary for as, you know, almost yeah. as uh, tropey as it was with the training, the villagers and the love interest, whatever, all that stuff. But I loved that was the perfect and the title worked for me as well. Like mm-hmm. the sanctuary, it was actually a pause from the first three episodes. Like, oh, my God, this 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 uh, rocket is like careening off into space. This is amazing. Okay, now sort of a series breather, but yeah. still so important. Introduced Kara, you know, gave him, you know, yes. the uh, the we saw him first remove his helmet. Well, not that we saw him, but th- there was huge, hugely important steps for the development of the character uh, within that episode, as almost a subtext to the fantastic uh, ATST and Yoshi's involvement, uh, yeah. which was, yeah. I mean, when I watched that again. Yeah. I was exactly <laughs> watching for that, and I was like, "Oh my, that is yeah. such cool background information to have." But that I mean, that entire scene was a was a fantastic piece of it as well, and just great Star Wars action. Yeah, I think um, a lot of the episodes when you're first watching them uh, might feel disjointed. Might yes. feel like, "Oh, well, this one didn't. This one seemed like filler, like fluff, like there's nothing to it." But they drop these seeds. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's kind of feels like a flavor of the week episode but then later on they tap back into it and you're like oh yeah so yep. that's part of the overlying yep. story uh-huh. and yep. and every episode has its place in the season yes yeah and by the time you hit the end, yeah, it's it's all very, very clear why yeah. each one of those steps were taking. Yeah, and they're definitely building. I mean, by the time you get to especially the last two episodes of the season, but, uh, you know, you've seen kind of what they've been laying out. And it's an interesting point because it goes back to some conversations. We had the live chat uh, that we did with Scarif this this past week where we were talking about the fact that one of the things with the sequel trilogy is they had different directors, but it didn't seem like they had a real solid unified vision of what they wanted to do across those three films, which created some, some feelings of disjointed storytelling. But with this particular series, they had, I think, well, they had uh, Filoni, 
Dave Filoni, who uh, mm-hmm. directed a couple episodes. They had Taika yep. Waititi. They had Rick Famuyawa, uh, or Famuyiwa. They had uh, Deborah Chow, Bryce Dallas Howard. I mean, they had multiple directors, and they all had a chance to kind of put their stamp on the individual episodes that they directed. Yeah. But it was clear that there was a plan for the entire series. Um, and so, you know, it was, it's, you know, when I've talked to Yoshi in the past about, um, you know, the, the graphics that they do, the CGI that they do, um, and the effects that they create, it, it was very reminiscent of what he told me the, the feeling was a Lucasfilm, which is they will give you some basic direction of the overall feel that they, or the overall look that they want for something, but you still have a lot of, um, a lot of room to move in terms of creating your own vision. Uh, and I felt that way with the direction of each of these episodes. They clearly had some things that they had to accomplish, but they had a lot of freedom in terms of how they expressed that. Uh, and in the case of The Sanctuary, that was the episode, I believe, that uh, Bryce Dallas Howard had directed. Yes. And, yep. uh, I, you know, you listen to uh, to Cara, Cara Dune, the actress that plays Cara Dune. I'm blanking. Yes. Oh, um, yes. Gina Carano. Gina Carano very yeah. well. Yeah, uh, there you, go. you know, you listen to or you look at some of the the social media posts that she had made, you know, just talking about what a pleasure it was to work with Bryce Dallas Howard. And, uh, you know, it, it, that episode had a great feel. It was definitely unique for the season. Um, but it was certainly very cool to establish this relationship between the Mandalorian and and this character of Cara Dune and the fact that they both had an attachment at that point to to this, uh, the child, the uh, the baby of Yoda's species. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that, you know, they were both, initially they were both very, um, not protective, but they were both very suspicious of each other. Yeah, I think guarded. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. And, and that yep. led to their initial confrontation. They they do have a confrontation right. early in that episode, but by the end, they realize that they're more alike than they are different, and they you know are willing to team up and kind of train these villagers. Oh boy! <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> Pat just did this Tisa Pink scene. <laughs> did he have the flying pinky? <laughs> But you're 100% right in that the, uh, you know, that uh, that contentious introduction uh, and suspicion, but like both, you know, obviously the Mandalorian sort of being a very obvious sort of bounty hunter and like a potential threat. Whereas Kara, of course, you can say that she's doesn't exactly blend in with the with the other residents, but um, she's on the hideout and that immediate uh, you know, uh, physical, uh, uh, introduction. Yeah. Right. Um, but the, the, but that ground based, uh, attack <laughs> that they did on each other certainly solidified the relationship for the future where he knew that, you know, this was going to be a, not just, you know, someone who could hold her own, but a, but a really good ally. Yeah. yeah. Well, and to the point about the uh, the the baby Yoda memes, I mean the uh, the scene in that physical confrontation they had where they're fighting and they kind of reach that stalemate, and in the background you see you know the child sitting there with his little cup of soup that uh, a lot of people turned into a can of White Claw on social media, which I thought was hilarious. But yes. um, <laughs> have you have you seen the White Claw tattoo? Oh yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> Just making sure that you know it's out. That there. is commitment. Someone has that on their body. That is that is commitment, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I well, I mean, again, uh, 
to the earlier point that Charles had made about the fact that baby Yoda has really kind of been uh, in a lot of ways. I agree with the fact that it's been a gateway drug to star Wars because I have seen a number of people who had not previously had any, any interest in star Wars whatsoever kind of got caught up in the hype about what was going on in the Mandalorian. They watched that and that was kind of their uh, impetus to go out and start watching the movies. And then they're like, Oh, these are great. I've got a coworker yeah. who had never seen star Wars wow. uh, and, and had told me, you know, he, I have some podcast swag on my desk for people to grab if they want. And uh, he had come up to me and said, I started watching Star Wars and I would never watch a movie from the 70s. And I watched the original trilogy and those don't look like they're movies from the 70s. Wow. Um, and, and it's a testament to the technology. And interestingly, interestingly enough, within The Mandalorian, they're using this new, uh, this new technology within the episodes called Stagecraft. So yeah, almost fantastic. everything that they did within the Mandalorian was shot on sound stages, um, but it's this giant round LED screen that allows the camera to move without you know without breaking it up, and they still have you know practical objects. They'll build portions of ships, um, but it's then just kind of feathering in the area between those practical objects and and this. Uh, it can either be you know footage shot on location or it can be touched up with CGI, but it allows them to get that quality sound without having to drive up the budget going to all these locations and establishing you know a shooting schedule there. So um, these episodes, I think they said they were like fifteen million a piece. But when you consider that, you know, four or three, probably three episodes is the equivalent of one feature like film, you're not going to make a Star Wars quality film for $45 million. No, no. So I, I'm very excited to see what they do with that Cassian Andor series and Obi-Wan Kenobi series uh, just based on the technology that they've got to play with. Right. And they've got, you know, they've set that they set the bar very high. But I don't think to your point is that the bar isn't set uh, without without reach because if they have that kind of budget and it would you would assume that they're not going to back away from that budget right. why would yeah. they yeah. so with the equal with a good story but then the equal sound stages that they've already set up to use uh, in this series mm-hmm. um, and characters quite honestly that we're potentially more invested in with Cassian and and um, K2SO mm-hmm. those I mean that's why I'm so excited for it's like wow this is now the small scale but at a larger scale, more Star Wars that you can get versus a yeah. two and a half, three year period of a movie. And like the divisiveness that could happen with the movie that, oh, it didn't, didn't go this way, didn't go that way. Well, guess what? We have eight episodes or whatever, or six episodes or it's going to be to develop these characters that you know and give them a backstory. And, you know, we, unfortunately, we know what happens to Cassian and uh, K2SO, but it's going to be fascinating to see that run up to where. Uh, they're in uh, Rogue One, but yeah, it it bodes very, very well for the future. Yeah. Any thoughts from you, Pat? Um, yeah, sure. I think that the idea of a live action streaming service TV show was something that, you know, obviously they hadn't done before. And I think it was a bit of a gamble. Uh, because if it didn't mm. do well, I'm sure they would never have heard the end of it. Uh, so I think that they had to be very judicious with the budget and with um, you know the casting and the storylines and all that, which just kind of you know the fact that it was knocked out of the park, I think gives them even more liberty to branch out and maybe 
invest more into these other properties mm. for the other series because they know how to make small screen serialized hits. Very good point. Yeah, especially on the on the flyer. They took, you know, not only did they launch their streaming service with this show, they launched the show at the same time. So there was a double buy-in for I mean not yeah. us, obviously. Like we're we're in no matter what. <laughs> But those casual people who may or may not, oh gosh, another another streaming service. Now I'm getting back up to my cable bill. Mm-hmm. Of course, you get the entire Disney uh, library at certain different times, whatever, not all at once, but you get those amazing movies back there. But it was a huge risk. And let's face it, without the uh, without the success of the Mandalorian, like you said, eh, well, hey, maybe we'll maybe we'll we're learning. You know, we'll get it with uh, with the Cassian Andor series, but that that distrust could have been always been sown, you know, like, oh, maybe I will cancel the service. Not anymore. Now it's like scramble, scramble to get that on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting because, uh, you know, there's the, the big movement out there for make solo to happen, uh, that's been going on on social media for quite some time, but I could definitely see them continuing so the true. story of, of what they had set out to do within solo within a streaming series and be <sighs> phenomenally successful with it as opposed to doing films. So true. And you know, you get the chance, like I said before, like you get the chance over six episodes, you know, which mounts to two movies, but you also get to, you know, really delve into the characters and maybe less things get left on the cutting room floor and you get a bit more development here and there. And, you know, like the, if you look at the entire Mandalorian series, you've got a character rooted in, you know, always one of the, you know, one of the most popular characters, at least in the, all of the fandom, um, but not, Boba Fett. It's someone else. Yeah. But you've got that sort of buy-in immediately. You got that lore yeah, and the mystique. Right. And so then you throw in all these other characters with call-outs to um, the Yan Alderan and Tatooine. Obviously, the entire episode of the, the, of the Gunslinger. Isley. Yeah, like literally. Like, where so Luke was. Right. It's um, a little shrine like Luke Skywalker drank blue milk here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a sign there. I I, I'm not sure because it was written in Arabic and I can't read that. So you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, the, the, Don't point uh, at me. Take all that together. Um, you have sort of like you know the 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 easy way into buying into the entire mm-hmm. potential for it after. And you know, had you know, talking about the gunslinger, you know, had they put that the first episode, I would have called that um, fan service because that would have been the first episode. It's the easy, it's the easy get. Mm-hmm. But they buried that in number five. You know, you, yeah. you it was a deep into it and it made sense at that point and i had no problems with it i mean yeah there was a you know huge amount of call outs and fun little tidbits for you know, mm-hmm. everyone to call back to i had no problem with it at all i mean i thought that i i yeah. do like where they put it you know like let, I think, let's I think it needs to be that far into the yeah series. to give mm-hmm. the series its own its own foothold and uh so like i said if I, that had been episode one totally on board with it wow they went for the uh they went for the fanboy jugular on that one but yeah. not in this case yeah, and I thought they did a great job. I mean, the first three episodes are really establishing the character of the Mandalorian. We get to see uh, IG-11, who was certainly, you know, that the comic relief, which is the last thing you would have expected out of, you know, an assassin <laughs> an droid, <IG>. right? <laughs> you get you get to establish these great characters. I thought Carl Weathers' character of Grief Cargo was was awesome yeah. um, and, and certainly a, a, a wonderful character. They, they do a great job even of when he goes to pay the Mandalorian his commission for you know, bringing in his group of 
of bounties there at the beginning that he tries to pay him in the imperial credits and it does a great job of establishing that you know the empire really is kind of falling in it's fallen at that point um yeah. you know there's still a remnant out there but those credits aren't really good um so he ends up paying him in the mon calmari flan uh which I thought was a dessert, but whatever. Yes. Um, <laughs> My wife pointed that out because it's one of her favorites. Yes. Delicious <laughs> It is, right. Um, yeah, spend it before you eat it. Um, I was going to say, talk about eating your salad. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Uh, you know, and... Uh, you don't have to explain it. I understand. All right. The problem is not me not understanding. You're right, yeah. that's true. That's true. That's all right. And then the wisdom of right away, uh, you know, showing us this uh this the child this this uh baby of yoda species that i knew they had to get out there quick because uh, i knew that was going to be showing up all over the place prior to the holiday season um but you know then then the second episode where it kind you kind of establish it there was a question of whether he was going to bring in his quarry they had established the fact right. that he was a foundling and he kind of had this um sensitivity for this this young child and uh the fact that he brought in his quarry and and received his payment in the in the ice cream maker which i thought was a brilliant callback to yes, uh, so original good. trilogy right um so now we've established that this is a a mechanism for you know some sort of a, a carrying safe, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, you know, he gets his his new suit of Mandalorian armor. Uh, well, I've already I've skipped over the entire episode with uh, with the Ewoks and and the fact that they had the uh, Trandoshan bounty hunters that were kind of tracking down the Mandalorian, which was uh, again this whole concept of these characters that we saw within empire strikes back you know we've got bosk that's one of those bounty hunters on vader's ship yeah uh, that big reptilian creature so they've kind of brought them back into the picture um and uh that second episode about the egg um <laughs> which was which was brilliant on so many levels the uh yes. the jawa fight scene apparently you can vaporize jawas right and left and you can still sit down and negotiate with them later i was impressed that the jawas don't don't hold a grudge well, they take your stuff exactly right. yeah. yeah it's the capitalist society yeah we lost uh, our entire family but you present me with suga so we're okay right. right i think my favorite part about the whole egg thing was like they wanted the egg, and you're like, okay, maybe it's something. It's like all hairy and looks like a Wookiee egg. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but then he brings it to them, thinking like, oh, they're gonna like cherish it or whatever. Yeah. And they crack it open, and they're like elbow deep in it, like yeah. bringing out some yes. like weird edible slime. It was yolk. a giant just, hairy Cadbury egg. Yes, <laughs> looks awesome. And they they just like that's how fickle yeah. jollies yeah. are. Yeah, and they were done with like, it. They probably just dropped half yeah. of it, still full. It's like, okay, well, Suga's done. We're yeah. on next. That's I want what your we ship. Wanted. Yeah. Here's your stuff. Yeah, go away. <laughs> Weirdos. I was a another another great example of how crafty Quill was. He apparently repaired the ship in one night, which was uh, which was quite impressive. Right. Well, that was oh, the, a the montage. Right. That yeah. was the eighteen. That was the eighteen <laughs> method. That's right. Oh my God! What a great callback. I but did think so true. That's yeah. the first thing I thought it was the eighteen was like the the overnight cool music um torch let's let's uh let's toughen up this uh yeah. con line van and we're gonna bust out of here i love it when a plan comes together <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was actually I, I felt like there was kind of a hidden reference as well in that episode because um back during the the filming of empire strikes back they had kind of established a, a company down in the los angeles or the hollywood area um 
when the rest of Lucasfilm had already kind of moved up to the San Francisco area, and that company that was established down in the uh, in the Hollywood area was referred to as the Egg Company. So I thought it was interesting oh. that that there could be kind of a, a hidden reference in that episode um, to that. That's uh, fantastic. Which would be classic, you know, yeah. uh, like like a, an old school callback by Filoni. Yeah, like yeah. six layers yeah, deep. Which, like, I mean, coming from Filoni, is pro- I mean, he's probably very familiar with right. that. He probably sketched the whole thing out. <laughs> yeah. Six degrees of it. So Kevin Bacon once had an egg. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. exactly. The the episode that I had the biggest problem with, and it's a very specific reason, was the last one because now you have to wait. No, 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 no. (laughs) That that well, that too. But no, it's the prisoner. Um, Uh, I mean, fantastic episode. Loved it. Bill Berg had been fantastic. Yeah, Yeah. all the actors were fantastic. The story was great. The the motifs, the the alien esque sort of hunting part of it. It was uh, it was absolutely loved it. My biggest problem was the fact that I couldn't read the arabesque on Matt Lanter's hat. Yes. I mean, I was, I paused and read. I was waiting for today to hopefully find out what the heck that hat said, but I guess I'm not going to get that answer. I didn't, I didn't even notice it, honestly. Oh, it's my, it's my desktop screensaver. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I can't do. (laughs) That's my homework assignment then. I'm going to have to go find that, that picture. Oh, Oh, do we have his other homework? Oh, no. oh, we'll get it to him later. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we got, we, we, yeah, we, um, our last visit to Galaxy's Edge uh, provided us many opportunities to yeah. uh, <laughs> photograph or imagine. Yeah, so yes. you may have already translated because you were there yourself, but yeah. uh, some of it, I think I'm sure. My camera roll. Pretty, pretty obscure stuff, too. Yes, yeah. that's true. So we'll have to do a post. Maybe we'll put a, put a page on the website Rob's homework. <laughs> yes, <laughs> scroll through it. I would love it. It would give me something, uh, another way to practice my Orabesh. <laughs> Other it. than I'm just watching it. old episodes of Rebels and Clone Wars. <laughs> we, need to, we need to like put it up on like that the um copy paper with like the lines on it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little uh, homework. Right, exactly. <laughs> um I think uh, going back to the brilliance of um revealing the child, um my wife um a- appeased me by watching the first episode with me when it first came out. Uh that morning actually, because I worked the night before right. and I came home and I'm like, let's do this. So we watched it and she was Oh yeah! Look, before we get to that, what? Uh, of course, he watched it at six o'clock in the morning. Right. I could watch it until seven o'clock that night when I got home from work. <laughs> um, I think I had to back up my phone for the amount of messages that I hadn't seen it yet. Have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? Let me know when you see it. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, that was nice for me. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh-huh. Yes. So, um, well, what you get for having a day job? Right. Uh, so. So she's watching it with me and just like, oh, this is this is that guy from Empire, right? No, it's not that guy. But this is a different guy. And yeah, but um, that last scene when um, she's kind of you know checking her email or whatever, I don't know. Um, and that last scene when he when the little hand comes up and then he oh yeah, take it away, and she saw the child. She. Like threw her phone down, sat up, and was glued to the screen. Yeah, yeah. And then from then, I was like, "We're gonna watch the Mandalorian on Friday." She's like, mm, "Gonna watch the Baby Yoda show." <laughs> <laughs> so, we still watched it. Yeah, right. It's just, 
call it different names. Right. Call, right. It, call it what you want. Whatever it takes to get you interested. Exactly. <laughs> but I think it brings up a fantastic point. Well, like, and also like before we talked about where it's like sort of a gateway drug, but you know, whether or not uh, Lucasfilm knew the gold mine that they had with Baby Yoda, who wouldn't, obviously, the, the, you know, and the fact that they were going to uh, keep that a secret, mm-hmm. especially with no merchandising, so to keep that yes. reveal very strong, right. it makes 100% sense. Mm-hmm. But what I love about the series is that it didn't become the Baby Yoda show or right. the right. child show. It remained the Mandalorian with the primary uh, character that's being saved is – the child yeah. uh well what eventually became uh, you know because we you know like as rob was saying before like was he going to give it up was he not going to give it up right. Right. so by the end of the series of course you know that he was it was his primary job but um the action that surrounded uh the child was so important to establish like oh my it's such cool scenes and everything and it always comes back to the child like where's he hits his uh his arm uh his arm uh activator and pushes the thing uh, pushes the egg oh, away and, right yeah so there's yeah. certain cases where you get that reminder oh yeah that's right the child where's the child and all this but you still have the surrounding star wars story uh building around it yeah absolutely and and i did think i mean like all good star wars there is layers to it right it's it's what we've talked about in the past and you can watch it with really no background knowledge and it can be completely entertaining but right off the bat within the first episode you've got um you know when he goes to visit the client uh the warner herzog character and you've got uh dr pershing that comes in and you know right away people are noticing that he has a patch on his arm that is a callback to the facility where all the clones were created for the grand army of the republic and and uh, attack of the clones and so there are a lot of pathways that are still unexplored that was really never looked at at any point later in the season they didn't really address it directly um so they have a lot of interesting places to go with it i think in in season two but there was all kinds of stuff for old school fans for the hardcore fans for the casual fans certainly it brought in new fans um and and provided that kind of unifying uh, item for everyone in in the world of Star Wars to really get on board with. Um, and to your point, I mean, th- the only episode that I had an issue with was episode five when, when they were on Tatooine, um, primarily because I didn't think that the acting was as good as some of the acting that I'd seen in the other series from some of the secondary characters. But even with that being said, it was still a compelling story. It was, it was yes. exactly what you needed mid season two. It was a little bit of a break um, a little bit of a, a callback to the to the old school fans, um, and and kind of that kind of respite before we got into those last three episodes that yeah, were the last really arc, the last, uh, moving. Yeah, the last uh, third. Yeah, absolutely. No, hundred percent. You got, you know, you sort of you put a tent pole and like, okay, this is a very familiar planet. That's a great point because you've got a very familiar planet and. You know, um, I was about to say Talking Bay, <laughs> Talking Bay three three five. That's another podcast, Talking Bay ninety four. Right. Uh, but um, uh, the uh, the Docking Bay and like, it's, oh, it's you know, it's 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 so familiar. Right. And then as soon as he leaves there, that's where the that final arc happens. You right. know, that's where it all takes off to the end. It builds to the end. Yeah. It's very cool to see what's happened to. Tatooine since we saw it in the right trilogy as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I assume yeah. you're talking about the cantina. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, right. And just it's just how kind of um how they've railed against uh the Empire yeah. with the uh 
the stormtrooper helmet. Yeah, oh, yeah, no. that's right. Just how it's kind of like we're free again and we can do as we please now, you know. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very they, telling. they made a very specific point of going back to that cantina right out of A New Hope, um, where previously you know, we don't serve their kind here, and now like the entire cantina is droids, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got and you've got this young bounty hunter that is uh, is kind of sitting right in that same booth that Han Solo was sitting in, leg up on the table, just like Han Solo, <laughs> and that's where the comparison ends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's boots on a table, right? Yeah, like- <laughs> yeah right get him out of there yeah have a, the table should have a reserved yeah a right. little uh, little red felt uh a little rope a little rope but on the tabletop <laughs> yeah Shit. just enough for two, two pair of boots you know yeah exactly yeah uh, yeah i will say though you know I, I think it's hilarious that uh that the one episode charles doesn't like is episode six and it's for it's for the funniest reason possible right <laughs> the well, orabesh translation <laughs> well totally but i definitely felt like episode six is really where it started to ramp up to kind of that finale in, in episode eight i thought that that whole uh quote-unquote you know, heist of a of the prisoner heist on that uh, rebel prisoner transport ship was great. But I also thought that uh, I know a lot of people caught the fact that when the three X wings came in to attack the base at the end, that Filoni was obviously the recognizable yes, character. Yeah. <laughs> but I immediately looked at my wife and I was like, "That's uh, Rick uh, Famuyiwa and Deborah Chow and the other two X wings." And she's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> so uh, okay. I love that they're like shamelessly inserting themselves into the episode. Yeah. Uh, it was and just Matt Lanter, Matt yep. Lanter, yeah. and Clancy yep. Brown. Clancy yep. Brown, yeah. Ooh, yeah, playing the Deveronian. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I there was I was jesting. I mean, I loved that episode. I thought that was a fantastic episode yeah. and a great, like I said, callback to the sort of the the like Alien and all sort of those like those scary movies, you know, yeah. and like the lighting and everything. And you know, one of the other pieces of that series is that sorry that's that episode that chapter was that he was extremely savvy in the way that he closed out that entire episode, that entire chapter. And it showed compassion yep. to a certain yes. degree. It showed smartness. It also allowed for further uh, uh, story arcs in, in, yes. in, in the second season, hopefully. Yes. Yep. There was a lot of great things that came out of that episode. And it was, you know, as fun as it was, there was some extremely, again, another example of some deep, deep cuts for, not only the the last chapter, but also season two. I think the 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 coolest thing to see visually in that episode was a live action male Twilight. Yeah, so yes. true, so true. You know, we had the female yeah. Twilight in Jabba's yeah. palace, yeah. but we hadn't had a male in live yeah. action. And he's uh, he's uh, he's got a streak to him. Very yeah. very cool. Yeah. So and then uh, you know obviously the. Just the wits about him. Yes. And, you know, he he kind of got blindsided when they threw him in the cell. Yes. It's like, can't trust these guys. No, of course not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he had, um, I mean, there's got to be an inkling for that, but yeah, yes. And it, but I, I think he did, but, like, he was just in a, he was too far from the Correct, door. right. But I just. Not I at loved, that spot. But... I loved how he's like, hey, how you doing, droid? And yeah. Boom. <laughs> and he gets out. <laughs> And then, so, and then, and then, of course, the droid in, in the Razor Crest was like, uh, "Bad news, guys! Yeah. He got out already." Yeah. <laughs> oh crap! <laughs> Transmissions are being jammed. That can mean only one thing. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> communications <laughs> disruption, right? No, not rat stars, no. Yeah, no. Right. No. Not rat stars. We had a well, and, and you also and you also get that derisive uh, moment with Bill Burr where he's like, Oh, maybe you're uh maybe you're a uh Yeah, maybe a, a gungan gun underneath that I helmet. Go take off your helmet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you said no oh, take off use a helmet? <laughs> Another point about that too is uh, like these guys have only heard of the Mandalorian. Right. Right. And and they're like, okay, this guy hasn't impressed us so far. And then, you know, when push comes to shove and they're, you know, getting gunned down. Yeah. He goes in there and he's yeah. like, pow, 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 takes care of all of them. Yeah. And then Bill Burr's just standing there like, oh, well, I guess clean up your mess. Yeah, clean up your And so, yeah, and so derogatory. Yeah. And they're, like, standing there watching him take out, like, six Saving of the droids. all of the yeah. yeah. And then he looks back when they first start attacking, and Bill Burr's, like, or his character, at least, uh, he's like, I see, I knew it. I knew he was to take off. Like, really? Yeah. yeah. No, he's about to save you is what he's about to do. I do have to say that uh, for someone who is supposedly protecting the child, I think Child Protective Services would have been called in every episode. <laughs> he seemed totally fine with, like, shutting him in a room and walking off yeah. the ship. Yeah. I love how Amy Sedaris calls him out on it. Right. Yeah. Like, you can't leave a baby in a ship unattended. Well, no, that's why I think your carbonite thing is perfect. Shove him in carbonite. I mean, there's no escape. <laughs> Vital signs are stable. Yeah. <laughs> Lando knows. Look, he looks even cute inside the carbonite. <laughs> tinkle, tinkle, little kid. <laughs> now he's like, now he's like why is Lando from Brooklyn? <laughs> <laughs> remember that <laughs> it's in the comics no. it, it is <laughs> print media ah. <laughs> but yeah yeah those last i mean the last two episodes so yeah episode six again a great like heist slash caper episode uh that was totally standalone but like you said they leave a lot of room for it to go places and certainly at that point in the season they knew that season two had been green lighted they were already working on it um by the time they finished everything up with that. But, um, you know, the fact that the, then it kind of goes into that two part episode where you've got grief cargo calling him back to, uh, John Carlo Esposito. Yeah. Oh yes. Again, I was very surprised that first and foremost, Cara Dune, who was, who was definitely portrayed as one of the core cast members at celebration, uh, and in all the, the, you know, preliminary materials didn't show up until episode four, and the mm. same type of thing with Giancarlo Esposito, who shows up in episode seven, right? Seven, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right there at the end, and like at the end of episode, yeah, right. Like, he like Luke Skywalker cameoed his way into episode seven. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I was the, super surprised yeah. that it took that long. And there was episode seven too. Except, oh, that's right, episode seven. And yeah. Luke, I see what you did there. That's pretty good. Very nice. Uh, but yeah, the but then it gives you the mystique of the entire series. Like, wow, when are we going to see Cara Dune? You know, like that's okay. Yeah. You know, the story will will figure itself out. But I guess you, what are you going to trot um, uh, Bill Burr out at Celebration, which would have been really interesting to see oh, him right. how he would have reacted at uh, at Celebration. But <laughs> you bring in a couple of of. Uh, you know, like you said, Cara Dune, and and you know, so then that does that speak to then season two? They didn't know it was to be greenlit at that point, right. but um, you know, strategically speaking, I think that it was a great choice in the sense that you know you have a extremely strong female character who's got her wits about her and can take out the Mandalorian uh, if she wants. And when she has that fight, when she comes back to get her, 
um, mm-hmm. for the the final two arc episode. Yeah. She's having that. Uh, uh, which I thought it was a zebraca a second because that that sort of like uh, yeah. that's how some horns is yeah. it a zebraca? Yeah. I'm, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. There we go. Cool. And she's having that fight with the the, yeah. the electricity, the, the the belt thing there. Yeah. Yes. You can tell she can definitely keep her own. Um, but the the the, mis- the mystery of what one of these characters going to show. I mean, that's it. I love it because yeah. guess what? You're not getting the entire story in a trailer or at celebration. You got to sure. you sit down and invest in the story. Pat. Yes. I agree. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I was um, kind of waiting on because, you know, I, I wanted to see Gina Carano. And, yeah, right. I, I, was, I was looking forward to that. And episode one, no. Episode two, no. Three, <laughs> no. no. There she is in four. Oh, and then he left her. Okay, well then, uh, <laughs> fine. Okay, now he's back. Yeah. All right, okay, I see what you're doing. Yeah. And it was kind of like, like the same thing with um, IG-11. It's like, yeah. oh, he just, like killed in the first episode. Yeah. But he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And then he's back. Yeah, exactly. I think that then, you know, you got your weekly release method. Yes. You've got characters that are peppered in with the story, but you, so they're forcing you to keep the long haul and the long story, the long play. That's not which, how the force works. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm in sanitation. Don't worry about me. Okay, but nice. you get that. Sanitation? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but you get that entire by the end of episode eight, you get how they packed the how past really seven thing was perfectly played out. And my gosh, it makes oh, I can't wait for season two. Holy mm-hmm. moly, this is gonna be so you good. Have to, yeah. 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 Well, again, and this was a series that this is really the first time we got a chance to see a live action group of Mandalorians in action. We kind of skipped over it in that third episode, uh, and certainly the episode that you know was kind of, that I was waiting for, knowing that uh, Dominic Pace was going to be in that episode with his bounty hunter. Uh, it was really cool to see him show up on screen, um, and so happy for him that he's uh, he's got a, a comma or a that various con schedule uh, that's yes. filling up quickly for the upcoming year, which is one of the things I had talked to him about uh, was that, you know, he, he would have been just happy having it be an opportunity for him to go out and, and talk about that character on the con circuit. Um, but to get to see, you know, the heavy Mandalorians, right. Which we never yeah. really saw much. Um, yeah. 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 Um, you know, and and they did in that ep- in that third episode. You know, when uh, when Favreau's character is kind of flying next to the Razor Crest, and he's you know the Mandalorian's like, I've got to get one of those, was- uh, which is definitely kind of uh, you know uh, a little bit of a, a hint at what was to come toward the end yeah. of the season. Yeah. Um, we got to see the uh, the whistling birds, right? The uh, the oh, various so little cool. missiles that were, went into his wrist launcher uh, when he got his full curious of Mandalorian armor crafted, which was awesome. Um, yes. So we get to see some some new features to the Mandalorian armor and why that was such a a special type of thing to have. Um, you know, they never really address it fully within the original trilogy or any of the other uh, episodes that we watch. Yeah, you perfectly said is that that's where. We get the freedom, well, we, as if we did it, but we they did. get the freedom to expand upon those things. And then it will call outs or whatever. But like that scene when uh, my daughter lost her mind because she thought it was just like a cartoon. And it was like, well, it's funny you should say that. When the uh, the guild showed up with their jetpacks, yeah. it's like that could have been a scene right out of the Clone Wars. Totally. And, and she saw, totally yeah, and she saw this, go, this looks like a cartoon just because of the coloration and the backdrop and those things. Like, yeah, this is 
literally like clipped out of the Clone Wars. And it was so cool to see that. Yeah. Right. I do think that, you know, kind of getting back to later in the season and Giancarlo Esposito's character, that when he arrives on scene, one of the things that jumped out at me was that the only other time, you know, he he comes down in his TIE fighter and lands outside the cantina there on Navarro. And uh, we see the wings on that TIE fighter fold. Yeah. And the only time I can recall seeing that anywhere else within Star Wars was it was in Rebels. That was the type of TIE fighter that the Inquisitors would fly. Oh. If you recall, like end of season two, right when uh, when wow. they arrive. So yeah. uh, and and it kind of makes me wonder because as we get to the end of that last episode and we think that his character uh, Moff Gideon has been killed by the Mandalorian, uh-huh. uh, and all of a sudden we see him cut himself out of that Tie Fighter with the dark saber. You know, he's got the dark saber. He's flying a TIE fighter that's very reminiscent of these Inquisitors. I'm not saying that he's an Inquisitor, but uh, he kind of makes me... He seems to be like a... (laughs) He seems to be like a collector of uh, things that that are tied to, you know, some of these Force entities. And a collector of knowledge, too. Yeah. Yes. He knows everything about everyone in that that room. And the... You know, and if even if he's not a collector, or sorry, even if he is a collector, or he's got ties to it, what he it definitely places him in key parts of the story. And when he when he burst out of that thing with the dark saber, I mean, I I believe I screamed out loud, cried like a baby, uh, <laughs> all those different things. It was oh my gosh, talk about and a, and a live action version of it too, which right. was just a uh, an amazing thing to see. That's like wow, this guy. Is and they've given themselves the freedom to like, wow, how do you get that? I mean, flashbacks, whatever. It's so open. The canvas is wide. And I believe that was another another time when I saw the episode in the morning, and I was like, you have to tell me as soon as you see this episode. You mean like every episode? Yeah, but this one especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. This one more so because you were extra yeah. animated. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, when, of course, when the reveal happened with the child at the end, I mean, he was texting me. I said, okay, we're going to watch. He said, I'm starting now. Yeah. Like, he was literally had it timed on his phone. So he was on his watch. He was because he was at work and he texted me. So at about the right time, I would have seen right. it. So what did you think? Huh? Huh? I said, we had to pause. He goes, oh, you. And then, of course, I didn't hear from him because he had to get back to work. And then I finally texted him. I actually, I did I, did I uh, FaceTime you? I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, you were at work. But you FaceTimed me at work anyways. But, um, but yes, he had it counted down to the minute where, where I did. should have seen the child. And I hadn't seen it because of family requirements. So, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did. Yes. No, but to your point about the fact that it does open up a lot for season two, having that reveal of the Darksaber at the end of season one. I mean, we've established that the Mandalorians have certainly fallen from where we saw them, even within Rebels. Um, Mm -hmm. But one of the things that they established within those animated series is that Darksaber is kind of, uh, it's it's a hugely symbolic thing for for the Mandalorian people. And really the wielder of that Darksaber is the the person who would unite the Mandalorians and kind of, uh, you know, lead them. And so there is huge potential here for that to become part of a storyline, uh, whether it's yeah. season two or onwards, that this could be kind of about the redemption of not just the Mandalorian character uh, of Din Djarin, but um, kind of the reemergence of the Mandalorians from this 
this hiding that they've gone into. Right, right. I mean, that's even from all the way back to the call out in, the, in, in chapter one yeah. with the client having the best scar, you know, and uh, isn't it, yeah. isn't it right to have, it's so good to see, or like, I mean, this is a verbatim, but sure. like, isn't it so nice to see that the best scar is back into the hands of those who, who need it or, or, yeah. or the ones who should have it, the Mandalorian. Sure. So it's a, you know, the purge seems to have been an extremely dark time in their culture and or the creed at least as yeah. we we learned um the uh it's hopefully maybe like a you know um uh re, like you said a redemption for them and like a sort of a reestablishment uh maybe not in hiding no longer having to have the mask on all the right. time mm-hmm. oh the helmet sorry yeah and there's a big cliffhanger about you know how many of those mandalorians are still out there certainly uh you know when he does kind of find the armor in that final episode and yeah. uh, she has got this pile of of mandalorian armor that she's going in and melting down um it's it's implied that you know these mandalorians have been kind of cleared out in this enclave um and uh, interestingly enough, the character of the armor, the fact that she takes out that group of stormtroopers with just her, you know, forge tools, uh, yes. was another wonderful example of just what a what a uh, crafty group the Mandalorians are. So true. Yeah. So true. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of a bit of Ray, you know, like the way he's just like yeah. <laughs> he could be standing at the doorway. He's like, oh, okay, <laughs> no help needed here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So what what were your kind of big takeaways from the end of The Mandalorian? Um, what, what kind of stuff are you really looking forward to or hoping for in season two? You go, I wasn't paying attention, Russ. <laughs> no, it's Thinking my... about Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, baby oh. Chewbacca in season two. Oh, yeah. Oh. And, they're, and they're best friends. They're in daycare together. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see it like a Disney Junior series there. Yeah. Um, How long would they so... be in daycare for? Like 100 years? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 He's like the yeah. Until they're potty trained. Right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think um. I'm very excited to see what's going on with the dark saber. Yes. Okay, as mm-hmm. I'm sure you are as well. Yes. Yeah. With your little dark saber. Stuff yeah. My. Doing. Yeah. Um. And. Yeah. <laughs> so trivial. Yeah. Dark Just saber stuff. Blow that off. Blow that off. Dark saber, you jerk. Yeah. Um. But I think that I want to just see what's going on with the child and why he's so important to everybody. Mm. Because I, it was the driving force behind the entire series. And I think, you know, the Mandalorian had decided to go back and essentially rescue him because he knew that they weren't planning to do anything good. No, right. Uh, yeah. If he was, you know, bringing him to an adoption agency and somebody was going to care for him, <laughs> um, uh, care for him well, um, then he wouldn't have thought twice about it. Right. But the fact that he comes in and he's strapped down and, you know, he's got the doctor like pushing buttons and all he's like no no this is this is bad news so um oh and that imperial probe droid were... hanging there right what's that that imperial uh the imperial interrogation droid that was hanging there in the room as well definitely a callback for yeah <laughs> for us to kind of get that uh not so not so safe feeling right yeah that sense of danger that yeah. he's just um he's not in for a for a bright future so um mm. i think I, I hope that we'll see some of that explored um, and kind of 
maybe even a little bit more about the species in general. Mm. Not like a whole Yoda backstory. Right, right. Because I like my Yoda mysterious. Mm -hmm. But um, a little bit about kind of what's so special about him and what they intended to do with him. Well, that's a great point, too, because it, it cannot be understated that Yoda and that character within all of Star Wars leading up to this has been kind of sacrosanct. I mean, that was one of those mm. things that that was off limits for people was to explore anything about him. It was always about the mystery. We don't know his species. We don't know any of his backstory. Um, and for Filoni to be allowed to even yeah. expose another member of that species as a key character within the series uh, is huge. Uh, yeah. I would think so. It will be very interesting to see how much they delve into that, or if it's exactly what we were talking about before, which is that he's there uh, as a component of the story, but certainly the Mandalorian himself is is the core of what's going on here. Right. I think for me, what I'm looking forward to is the uh, the exploration of the creed and how you know uh, we understand that, especially in the Clone Wars and then in uh, Rebels, that you know Mandalore is a planet. Uh, of which the Mandalorian sort of warrior race is on there as well. And it's a creed, almost like a, a unit, uh, sort of an, uh, almost like a, an army, mm-hmm. you know, like a mm-hmm. self-conscripted army. And how that fits in with their culture, what happened to the rest of the Mandalorian race and population and, and how that all fits in. So just getting some more delving into, you know, where that society is at, especially after the purge. Was it a purge about the Mandalorian warrior race? Was it a purge about the entire uh, public that was on Mandalore? That's I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Of course, the dark saber. Um, yeah, I don't, I hope that, uh, Yoda's not going to be given up to like a adoption agency, like, a you know, the Gallius Rax adoption agency. Oh no. <laughs> A little foretelling, but the, you know, will any of those types of things then feed into, um, you know, the, the sequel trilogy and just how, you know, the first order and like, there's a whole bunch of questions in there because like we're, we're sort of marching towards that and the, uh, the unknown regions and what was set up, uh, in the aftermath series, but then sort of built upon the first order and especially with, uh, the rise of Skywalker and, uh, and, um, uh, and how that ended with the, uh, with uh, Palpatine and everything like that. So mm-hmm. it's, there's some really cool things that we could also then project into, you know, the, what we're at now in the time, at least in the timeline right now as well. It could be really cool. Yeah. And if anyone wants to catch that Gallius Rex uh, reference that Charles dropped there, I would recommend you go check out the aftermath series. I I'm actually on the second book. It's one of those things that I had skipped over a while back and uh, kind of working my way through that right now. <laughs> So, I <laughs> uh, just got introduced to that character. Oh wow! Yeah. Spoiler. <laughs> so, no, no, no. You didn't spoil a thing. So, uh, okay. <laughs> I, I already have a little bit of an idea of, of what's going on with him. But anyway, uh, yeah, we won't go into that right now. But uh, yeah, yeah. For certainly for season two, I do think it's interesting. You know, because the whole Mandalorian series was put out there as you know a lone gunslinger on the edges of known space. And we're seeing now that he's kind of drawing this group of people around him. I was I was shocked that they killed off Quill because I thought he was such an interesting character oh, yeah. Um, yeah. within season one. I, I thought for sure when we got to episode eight, we were going to realize that he just got stunned or something uh, and that he was all right. But it does not appear that that was the case. No. We've lost him. We've lost uh, IG-11, although certainly in a way that furthered this whole storyline where the Mandalorian has got this prejudice against droids really based on his childhood and the fact that you know these battle droids had basically killed his people his family yeah um 
So very interesting to see kind of how he draws this group around him and, and where they go with that. Uh, I definitely think that, that in some ways that, that it is going to be a story about not just him, but you know, the Mandalorian people as a whole. Um, and you know, they've clearly changed up the dynamic of the Mandalorians because back in old school star Wars, they were very much a people who were based on, people from the planet of Mandalore um, and the surrounding, you know, moons in that area. And now it seems to be much more, I mean, I'm sure due to the purge as well, that it is a creed. It's a, uh, it's, you know, it's a code that they follow more so than just being a, a people um, mm. based on, you know, planetary origins. So, uh, you know, that's kind of a cool dynamic to see. And I can't believe that they're going to go on with this whole having to keep the helmet on at all times. Uh, certainly him, him having his face revealed uh, within that seventh episode was a powerful moment because we had not seen his face, even though most of us know what Pedro Pascal looks like. Um I think it's going to yeah. be interesting to see how that progresses. Yeah, no, that's there's so so many cool potential, so much cool potential. Sorry yeah. for uh, season two and what, where they can go with things, and they left it open enough where they can really have some fun exploring that. Cool. Yeah, and they've got the whole um, timeline in there where it's just shortly after Return right. of the Jedi and all, well before the sequel trilogy and. You know, canon-wise, there's not a whole lot of limitations on them. Right, right. Which is which is great for a show like that that has a character that's not already been established mm -hmm. yeah. and a timeline that's not yep. established yeah. because you can do whatever you want. Yeah, as yeah. a as a writing team yeah. and uh, as just creative storytelling. Mm -hmm. And you got you don't have those bookends that you have to sort of line up right. to. Yeah. But you know you have that with uh, Cassian and K2SO, but still sure. that's going to be a compelling story or even yeah. the Kenobi series. But to have like like you said have that free form one that you can just sort of explore, throw some ties back into the universe and mm -hmm. but uh, you have uh, you have a freedom episode or a series and you also then you got a couple ones that have established characters that people are going to know mm -hmm. and love too. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I, I totally agree with that point. I think that that is one of the best things about a lot of the new content that they're coming out with. And the fact that when they talk about potential new films, you know, a new trilogy uh, being set in a period that we really haven't explored much before. I think mm -hmm. that is a huge part of why the fan base is so unified in terms of how they feel about it, because you don't end up with these people who say, well, you can't do that because that goes against what was established here and here and here. And so right. that kind of takes me out of it. Um, you don't have to worry about that. You can just go out there and tell a story in that universe. So um, yeah, that is have fun incredibly with it. cool. Yeah. And that's what it should be. It should be fun. Um, Cause despite all of the, the, the discussion that goes on online, it is, it's, it's a story, right? Um, yeah. Well, a bunch of movies. Yeah. Although you guys have made it real by cosplaying as all these people. So, this is this is the this is the real deal. <laughs> I was trying to bring it back around because you said you had a big reveal at the end, and I was going to get a scoop on it. So uh, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, this is this is less the reveal, but it's also something that's that's happening. I am uh, actually right behind us. You can see my contact cement that I intend to use um, on my. Um, we, uh, my Mandalorian helmet that oh, I am nice. crafting uh, right behind us. Yeah. Actually, yes. So yeah, he's uh, yeah. That's gonna be yeah. He's yeah. now that's for the run, right? You're doing it for or it's and just, it's uh, it's for, for Mando watching, right? Uh, <laughs> I watch the show. Um, no, I, I 
I do the uh, run Disney Star Wars races, and um, I've done. I've not duplicated any characters for any of them, which has proven to be more and more difficult with oh. each run because I run out of, you know, yeah. practical right. characters. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going more and more impractical, which um, I think this year includes uh, the Mandalorian. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. Good it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's a good thing you avoided the K2SO one because that was getting kind of complicated. Yeah, that was, oh. was just the apparatus kept falling every time I stepped. It was bad news. Plus, it's hard to understand you with the apparatus. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But you do like to slap people, so it would have been perfect. It would have been perfect, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the scoop that uh, we were able to confirm just on Thursday is that we're going to be uh, – appearing at uh, the ColusaCon, which appearing. is, well, because we're going to be there. We're going to have a table, which is kind of cool. We are going to have a table. Oh, we're going to wow. have a table at the ColusaCon. It's a, it's a Comic-Con, obviously, down in Fort Myers. And uh, it's a one-day show. It's a small show, but it's going to be a good one. And um, the uh, we're going to have a, a show. We're going to have a table there, and we're going to do some interviews. We're going to do our uh, Fandom Presence Volume 3 from there. And so for us, this represents a, a big step in us getting out there. Look, we'll do it anyways. Like I told the guy, I said, we're going to be there with our iPhones taking, you know, interviews anyway. Nice. So, you know, it would be kind of fun to have a table there mm-hmm. and we're going to promote that through our social media. And like we just talked about it with you and, uh, how, you know, in the future, that's going to be something we're going to look forward to doing more and more of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's going to be cool. I always love it when you guys uh, do your live on-site interviews when you go to Galaxy's Edge or whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> those are always entertaining. Um, yeah. You know, listening to some of the kind of on-site uh, interviews that Pat had done when he went and rode Rise of the Resistance, um, you know, it, it, to get that feedback from people right after they come off that attraction cannot be understated for anyone who is not. We, we talked about it a couple episodes ago. I know you guys have an episode on it. Um, it is electric, uh, both waiting in line, kind of going through the experience with people. And then when you come off, uh, I didn't get the experience of having the cast members like Pat did, you know, kind of cheering and having executives standing there. Uh, that had to be crazy. But, um, you know, when, when people get a chance to kind of experience that in world star Wars moment together, uh, talk about something that gets people excited about star Wars. Um, and again, I've heard of people who have, no real ties to watching the films that go back even into just galaxy's edge and are floored by the detail and and the feel of Mm -hmm. that land. Um, so I love that there are things going on within star Wars right now that are not just appeasing fans that exist, but also Mm -hmm. getting people interested in it because, you know, whether you're big into sci-fi or not, it is definitely just a a phenomenon, a human phenomenon. It's been going on for coming up on 43 years now. Um, yeah, and, and there, there's a reason for that. It, yeah, it's really about people and relationships and experiences, um, and certainly they're still delivering on that. So, oh yeah, really looking forward to hearing about your con experience down there. Yeah, well, we're gonna be, yeah, we'll, uh, we're gonna be, uh, like I said, promoting that throughout uh, the next few months and mm-hmm. sort of ramping up some uh, some stuff and see if we can, you know, uh, the Joy Builders is gonna be there, uh, mm-hmm. the 501st is gonna be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll reach out to them as well. But yeah, we're gonna have a little little table for a couple hours and uh, have a bit have some fun there and sort of yeah. ramp that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll let we'll let you know. We'll keep you up to speed for sure. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely uh, promote it on our end as well. If we've I know we've got a few listeners down there in the Florida area that uh, hopefully we can drive them that way and double your listenership get you up to six people yes <laughs> pat always talks yeah, about pat always no, talks about your three listeners so 
<laughs> I suspect it's far more than that. You got what forty something responses on a poll. I, uh, you know, I don't get, I don't get that kind of feedback on polls. <laughs> we got a poll coming up today that you'll be very interested to see because uh, I saw that you'll be involved with the uh, Scarif podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, Boba Fett episode yep. coming up this week. Yeah, they're going to be having a live chat about Boba Fett. So um, today's we're poll, gonna chat about we're going to be having a, a chat about Boba Fett too. <laughs> the timing is actually quite funny. Cool. Um, and there'll be a today. poll up today. Today, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, it'll be very interesting to see what uh, what comes about that one. But yeah, yes. yeah. We've got some uh, we've got some cool collaborations with some other podcasts. I know uh, we're going to do some stuff with Scarif, kind of a home and away type series with them. Uh, Boba Fett, and I think the other one uh, Roe had come up with was uh, fan service, the other four-letter word, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm really looking forward to talking about. Um, uh, we're going to be doing um, another conversation. Well, we're going to be doing a conversation about, as part of the fan service, um, you know, some of the stuff in Rogue One and certainly Scarif, which ties back to their podcast. And uh, we're going to have a February giveaway of uh, Jen and Cassie and Black Series figures. I figured, uh, you know, what better way? Uh, if yeah. Rogue One is a love letter to the fans and you got Jen and Cassie and uh, that all ties in with a month that oh, contains February. Valentine's oh, Day perfectly, right? That's so, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while I get an idea. <laughs> <laughs> And then University of Coruscant, who I definitely want to mention if uh, if people are into, especially a nice little shorter uh, Star Wars podcast, yeah. but very uh, unique in terms of the way that they yeah. do their presentation. He He's a, uh, a, a former holodrama star that is a guest lecturer at the University of Coruscant. Uh, they're like 15-minute episodes, but really well-produced, well-written, yeah. um, and he's a funny guy. So uh, we had an intro from him at the beginning of this show. So looking forward to working with those guys always love having uh conversations with you too um charles is always a regular when we do our fireside chats for scarif uh always trying to get a rise out of me <laughs> successfully <laughs> almost always yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah again um so yeah check those out on uh, on the scarif podcast channel but guys thank you so much for coming on it was a fun discussion and i'm super excited to see what the mandalorian has in store for us in season two same here, and thank you very much for having us. Oh. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Thank Anytime you so Anytime and always, and I'm looking forward to seeing that Boba Fett helmet, Pat. That's going to be uh, stellar, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be posting photos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to put on the Plo Koon mask and then put the helmet on over that. <laughs> <laughs> Look at his face. I know. It reminds me of the uh, the Lego Star Wars game where you can put on the Stormtrooper helmet uh-huh. and like the Stormtroopers think you're a trooper. Oh, oh, wow. Regardless Let's of what, what, what you're wearing. Down, you just walk by them and they're just, they just like nod at you and stuff. And it's ridiculous, but it's like a Star Wars. But then when you're chewy yeah. and you put the helmet on, it's like this. And they still let him go yeah, by. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, another trooper. Yeah. For what it's worth, that's what it looks like when I try to put on this Poe Dameron helmet that's on the shelf behind me. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy oh, and we're off the rail <laughs> and we are awesome well you guys have a wonderful day and uh we'll definitely be talking with you soon all right Absolutely. thank you thanks so much yeah for sure so again a huge thank you to charles and pat from the conversations podcast for coming on and joining us to talk about season one of the mandalorian 
Uh, we ran long, so I'm going to skip all that news for the week. Uh, but I just will remind you, please, uh, if you get a chance, if you want to reach out to us, take advantage of that new voicemail that we've got. Uh, the number, again, is 201-746-JTAP. And uh, you can leave a message there if uh, if it fits in with an episode we've got going on. I'm more than happy to play it on the air. And very much looking forward to having another way for fans to contact us. Uh, really thankful uh, that I have had some contact with some of our fans. Uh, and actually, those contacts have, have led to some opportunities for us to have additional folks on the show uh, who have some very uh, specialized areas of expertise. So going to be doing a uh, show here later this month with University of Coruscant. Uh, so look out for that. I think that's going to be on the 24th. And uh, again, that two-parter mega crossover event with uh, the Scarif podcast. So keep an eye out for that episode dropping as well. But uh, until then, definitely check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at JTA Podcast. Uh, and then on our email at jtapodcast at gmail.com. And please tell a friend if you like this show. Uh, it's going to help us grow, and uh, it's just going to help us be able to bring you guys more and more amazing content. So with that said, uh, I'm going to be heading out. You guys have a wonderful week, and may the Force be with you.